A contract has been approved for new South Carolina offensive coordinator Dow Loggins, along with an extension and raise for special teams coordinator Pete Limbo. So what does all this mean regarding Shane Beamer's thought process? Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com using the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $40 off your order. A minimum order may be required to qualify for this deal. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And there's been a lot of talk recently, of course, surrounding South Carolina's offensive coordinator position. You know, is it going to be Kendall Bryles? Is it going to be Garrett Riley? Is it going to be Phil Longo? Is it going to be Dow Loggins from Arkansas? And that is the candidate that Shane Beamer wound up landing on. As the Board of Trustees from the University of South Carolina officially approved a new contract for offensive coordinator Dow Loggins on Tuesday afternoon. Now, here are some of the quick details regarding Dow Loggins' contract. Dow Loggins got a three-year deal, which is going to pay him $1 million annually. Compared to what he was making at Arkansas, he was on the last year of his two-year contract under Sam Pittman, and he was making $400,000 in his second season as Arkansas's tight end coach. Now, there are a couple of little stipulations with this contract that was noted by Gamecock Central's Colin Taylor in an article that he did regarding this contract. The main one to pay attention to is this. There's going to be no buyout that Dow Loggins is going to owe South Carolina if he leaves his current position for a Division I head coaching job or an NFL head coaching job. So basically, if Dow Loggins becomes a head coach anywhere, um, he's not going to have to pay South Carolina a single dime. That will not be the case, however, if he goes to be an offensive coordinator somewhere else at the Division I level or in the NFL. Now, what is the main story or the main thought that you should have regarding this contract? Well, the main thought should be that Shane Beamer clearly has a ton of confidence in this hire. And obviously, I mean, he should. He spent what seems to be a couple of weeks going through all the candidates that he had on his list. He mentioned not too long ago that he had people blowing up his phone for the position. And, you know, it pays to have options when it comes to these kind of situations. And so, obviously, Shane Beamer should have confidence in his hire automatically. But here's the thing. A lot of people are focusing on the fact the Dow Loggins is going to be making $1 million a year at this current moment. Never mind the fact that Marcus Satterfield was making $900,000 a year, just $100,000 less than Dow Loggins, despite what happened with the offense in his two years that he was here. 
I think that the biggest story with this specific contract is not the $1 million, but the fact that Dow Loggins got a three-year deal instead of the usual two-year agreement that you see a lot of these assistant coaches take. Because you rarely see a first-time Division I college football play caller get a three-year deal. Now, admittedly, this is a little bit of a different case because Dow Loggins, again, as I've mentioned, has 13 years of NFL coaching experience, which includes nine years being spent as an offensive coordinator at some of the particular stops that he had. And the thing is, when I was sitting here thinking about what Dow Loggins' contract would probably look like, I pretty much thought that it was going to be a two-year deal because of the lack of college experience at the position, but I did think that the payout was going to be a little bit bigger. I thought Dow Loggins would probably get a minimum of $1.25 million, and I thought the max would probably be $1.5 million. So basically, what ended up happening was the inverse ratio of the contract length and the amount he wound up getting based on what I thought he was going to get. This also shows that a big part of Shane Beamer does not believe that Dow Loggins is just going to use South Carolina as a stopgap part of his journey in coaching. That he is going to actually be someone who will stick around here for at least a couple of years. Now, obviously, if the offensive coordinator job were to open up at Arkansas, then, um, you know, that would be the one position where if Dow Loggins, let's say, has a ton of success in his first year at South Carolina and Arkansas is finally done with Kendall Browse for one reason or another, he winds up moving on, then there's definitely no question that one of the first people they would call in that hypothetical would be Dow Loggins. That would probably be the one position where you could see him jumping after year one. But otherwise, it seems like Coach Beamer pretty much thinks that, look, Dow Loggins is going to be here for the long haul, at least for the majority of a bunch of these kids' careers while they are playing at South Carolina. So it seems like that Shane Beamer, again, doesn't just have confidence in his hire, but confidence in the fact that this guy is going to be a very integral part of this program for a long time. Now, there was one other notable contract that was approved on Tuesday afternoon besides Dow Loggins' contract, and that was a contract extension and subsequently a raise for special teams coordinator and I believe associate head coach in Pete Limbo. Now, the extension was just an extra year that was added onto his current contract, which means his contract now runs all the way through 2025. And the dollar figure that Pete Limbo is now making annually is $725,000. Now, if you've been keeping up with these contracts with these coaches up to this point, then you would know this is a pretty sizable jump for Pete Limbo. If things were not changed this offseason, and Pete Limbo were to stay on his old contract heading into 2023, he would have been on a two-year deal for $465,000 annually. He already got, I believe, at least like a $25,000 raise after his first year here back in 2021. So basically, Pete Limbo got a $260,000 annual raise. But I got to say, he more than deserves it. I mean, he led the number one special teams unit in the country by far this year. Kai Kroger has been named by multiple outlets as an All-American because of Pete Limbo's coaching. Pete Limbo helped this team, I believe, get five or six blocked punts this season. He's just accomplished so much in a short time here. And with this new contract, 
Pete Lumbo is now the highest paid special teams coordinator in the country with no other on-field coach responsibilities, meaning that he's not coaching running backs or outside linebackers or anything like that. Because there are people that do hold the special teams coordinator title and that kind of title, and they do make more. But in terms of just solely being a special teams coordinator, Pete Lumbo is the highest paid now in college football. He deserves it. And in terms of Shane Beamer and what this extension shows, um, Pete Lumbo is the most important assistant on this staff right now. I mean, there's no question about that. Considering the fact that the very first board trustees meeting after the regular season ended, they went ahead and got this extension out of the way for Pete Lembo. I think that that says a lot as to just how highly thought of he is in the building for this football program. I think it also shows you that Coach Beamer is not going to be in a rush with his own contract. That is still, of course, being negotiated right now between Athletic Director Ray Tanner and his agent Jimmy Sexton, but... I think it also could mean that you could see some of these other assistants get their own raises and extensions before Shane Beamer comes to the bargaining table and goes, okay, I'm ready now for my new contract. So I would imagine that P. Lemo's not going to be the only one that's going to be getting an extension and raise, needless to say, out of all the current assistant coaches on the staff right now. Now, while the Gamecocks gained and retained some coaches on Tuesday afternoon, the same couldn't be said for some of their offensive line commits in the 2023 recruiting class. Who am I talking about here? I'm going to dive into all of that in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Before I touch on that, I do want to let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Omaha Steaks. Now, I talked about just yesterday that one of the toughest things about buying meat from the store is trying to buy something that maybe has the right amount of fat on it. Maybe something that has the right amount of marbling in the cut of meat if you want something that's going to be packed with a ton of flavor. And it can be really hard to decipher which cut of meat you want to buy at the store these days. Not to mention the fact that prices are just so unbelievable. Not to mention we're gearing up for winter. So every time now you're going to the grocery store, it's just a harsh reminder of the weather conditions now that you have to deal with just to go on over to the store and get all the food that you want to bring back home. The thing is with Omaha Steaks, you can get it shipped right to your own door or you could use it as a gift and send it to your friend or family member's door and they don't have to go anywhere in order to find these cuts of meats. Because Omaha Steaks has a delicious selection of various gift packages to make shopping for the ones you love nice and easy. So go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 50% off site-wide, plus use the promo code LOCKEDON to check out and get an additional $40 off of your order. Again, visit omahasteaks.com to take advantage of the 50% off deal site-wide plus use the promo code locked on at checkout to get that extra $40 off your order and just a reminder a minimum order requirement may be in place in order to get the extra $40 off Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. I want to thank y'all once again for making Locked On Gamecocks your first watch or listen here today. Now, if you're interested in checking out another podcast, they'll maybe go over multiple sports all at one time. Talk about some of the biggest stories of the day, maybe a big take of the day, and give y'all some instant reactions and big game recaps. 
I highly recommend that you go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find the Locked On Sports Today podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. All right, so we've talked a lot about the coaches. Now let's move on to some high school recruiting for South Carolina, where South Carolina, in terms of if you combine both the transfer portal and high school recruiting over the last few days, the hits just keep on coming, quite honestly. South Carolina has taken just a ton of gut punches in this area. And it continued on Tuesday afternoon with two different offensive line prospects in Oluwatis and Babalade and Isaiah Yado, a Juco offensive tackle, I believe, out of Snow College over in Utah. So let's start off with the one who announced his decommitment first. And Oluwatisim Babalade, who took to Twitter on Tuesday afternoon at 4.16 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and said simply, quote, I have decided to decommit from South Carolina. I just need more time to think about things with the praying hands emoji being in there with his quote. Now, regarding Oluwatisim Babalade's situation first, I don't think that all is lost here. Okay, I I truly take Oluwatisim Babalade's word for it with how he worded his tweet that, look, sometimes kids just need a little bit of extra time to make their final decision. I understand now with the time period that we're in right now with NIL, the transfer portal, all the stuff that's happened to South Carolina recently, some of y'all are probably a little bit more on edge regarding news like this. So anytime now in the next few days or who knows, maybe even the next few weeks that some news like this comes out, you're going to assume that there's maybe something shady going on. Maybe it has something to do with South Carolina's offensive coordinator hire, which I'll touch on that point in a minute. But that's not always the case, okay? Now, if this does indeed turn into a race to early signing day or, you know, the main signing day, at least what used to be the main national signing day in February, the other finalists at the time of Babalati's commitment to South Carolina back in August were Ohio State, Maryland, and Penn State. But to be honest with y'all, at the time of Babalati's commitment back then, it was pretty much down to South Carolina and Ohio State, with South Carolina winning out the battle in the end. Now, regarding the worry that this offensive coordinator hire is the reason why Babalati all of a sudden decommitted, I don't think that's the case, okay? Again, as I mentioned earlier, I think that he just simply does need a little bit more time to talk with his family. Now, I will say this, Babalati did also host a bunch of South Carolina's coaches on an in-home visit just three days ago. Greg Atkins was there. Shane Beamer was there. Lonnie Teasley was there. Sterling Lucas was there. Torian Gray was there. And Clayton White. That's six coaches right there. Six on-field coaches from this season alone. Of course, Greg Atkins has not been coaching on the field recently, but I count him along with Lonnie Teasley. So... It's pretty clear South Carolina has made it known to Oluwatis and Babalade, look, you are still a very valued commitment in this class. We definitely want you to come here. And the thing is, Oluwatis and Babalade, if he comes to South Carolina, he might have to wait too long to play. And that is a factor that you have to take into account with this other offensive lineman who decommitted from South Carolina in Isaiah Yada. Now, Isaiah Yada also took to Twitter quite literally within a half hour of Babalade decommitting, and he released the following statement here, saying, quote, 
Without God, I am nothing. First and foremost, I thank the University of South Carolina for giving me an opportunity to chase my football and educational dreams. I would like to personally thank Coach Teasley for always believing in me throughout my recruitment process. I will always be thankful for his presence in my life. After much thought and prayer, I have decided in my best interest to decommit from the University of South Carolina. Respect my decision with peace and gratitude, Isaiah Yada. Now, compared to the Olawatsambabalade situation, here's what I'll say about Isaiah Yada. I don't think that this situation is the same. I do think this one is going to be a little bit different. He is coming off a visit to the Auburn Tigers from this past weekend. I talked about that visit more in depth on Monday, but basically after the visit, he talked with some Auburn reporters and he said that Auburn was up there for him and that he was down to a few schools, which already should have set off some alarms in your head at that point. The fact that he said multiple schools were still in consideration, which means that his verbal is more so of a soft verbal. It's not a guarantee he's going to sign. And now he's confirmed that by decommitting from South Carolina. And his finalists are South Carolina, Auburn, and BYU based on what he told Auburn sports reporter Caleb Jones from this past weekend. My personal opinion, I don't think Isaiah Yada is going to wind up back in this recruiting class. I see him, as of this moment, probably going to Auburn, if I had to guess, where it is beyond a guarantee that he would probably start there from day one, which he's going to value as a JUCO prospect who will only have three years to play two when he gets to the FBS level. And, of course, this does stink for South Carolina's coaching staff because they've had a lot longer relationship with Isaiah Yada than Hugh Freeze and that coaching staff has had. But, unfortunately, this is just sometimes the way things go in college football. You talk to a kid for months and months and months, you have that relationship with them, then all of a sudden new staff pops in at a different school, and then he's gone. So, again, not trying to say that that has happened, and nothing has officially happened yet as of today's show, but it will not shock me at the end of this process just reading the tea leaves and seeing what all has been said and what has happened over the past few days. So that is the latest on Olawajas and Babalade and Isaiah Yada. Needless to say, I think Babalade, the Gamecocks can get him back in this class. Isaiah Yada, probably a good chance that you will not see him back in this recruiting class. Now, I've talked about South Carolina a lot on today's show, as I always do, and I always try to create storylines and talk about events that specifically relate to Gamecock athletics with all of you. But there is something else that I need to address on this show. And it's going to be a topic that is not going to be uh, any fun discussing. And that is going to be the passing of college football legend, the Pirate, in Mike Leach. I'm going to talk about in just a few minutes how I'm going to remember Mike Leach, both the person and the coach, in just a few moments. But before I do dive into Mike Leach and his passing, I do have to talk to you all about our friends real quickly from Bet Online, who are also a sponsor for today's show. Now, the World Cup is going on right now. We are currently in the midst of the semifinals in Qatar. And today, there's a big matchup taking place between France and Morocco. Morocco has become this massive underdog story in the World Cup. I believe their odds were at like plus 3,000 to even make it or win the whole thing. And now they're in the semifinals. It is the biggest Cinderella story of the entire sport. And it's just a big deal for them to actually make it this far. The spread right now is minus one in favor of France. The over-under is set at two and a half goals. And the money line 
has France listed at minus 175 and Morocco at a whopping minus 620 with a draw money line being set at plus 292. So if you think Morocco is going to take France all the way down to the wire or you think Morocco is going to win, put your money especially on that money line and try to get as much as you can here. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there because BetOnline has got it all. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. Okay, so let's talk about Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach, who unfortunately, as of Tuesday morning or Monday night, depending on whatever time it was, Mike Leach has now officially passed away. Unfortunately, Mike Leach suffered a massive cardiac event at his home this past weekend. He was, I believe, originally transported by ambulance to a nearby hospital. And then once I believe the severity of the situation was realized, I guess, from the doctors, he was then airlifted to, I believe, one of the biggest hospitals in all of Jackson, Mississippi. And he ended up staying there for the next couple of days with everyone, of course, hoping and praying that everything was going to work out because Mike Leach has been such a big part of this entire sport now for so many years. And unfortunately, he did not make it. God has officially called Mike Leach home. So, um, obviously, really tragic for the Leach family. Um, whether you are someone who believes in the power of prayer or not, thoughts and prayers from me to the Mike Leach family, and I hope that all of you are thinking about them um, as well. Now, I am not a reporter that admittedly has any really cool, awesome story to offer all of you in regards to, you know, a moment that I've had with Mike Leach, an interaction I've had with him, you know, an interview that I've done of him, you know, on the field or at a press conference or at media days, I really don't have anything like that. And, you know, selfishly, I, I kind of hate it that, you know, I'm now, unfortunately, I'm not going to get that opportunity. But of course, that doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Um, what I will say is this, there's going to be three different things that I'm going to remember the most about Mike Leach. One is his unique personality considering the sport and the field that he was a part of. Look, obviously, when a lot of people think of a football coach, a lot of people think of people who basically give cookie-cutter answers at every press conference, people who like to isolate themselves from pretty much the rest of the outside world, especially when they are in season with their team. Somebody who, you know, basically abides by a certain creed, a certain code, you know, just doesn't really waver from a bunch of certain coach-speak cliches that they always seem to reference, whether it's a loss or a win. That is how most people view a football coach. Mike Leach was not like that at all. Mike Leach was someone who could talk about just about anything, really, that you wanted to talk about. If you wanted to talk about what your favorite kind of Halloween candy was, he would talk to you about that. If you wanted to talk to him about marriage... He would talk to you about that. Geronimo, he would talk to you about that big time. He wrote, he wrote a book on Geronimo. Pirates, he would certainly talk to you about pirates based on his nickname. There wasn't anything that Mike Leach was not intrigued and interested by. As a person, 
I highly respect just how much Mike Leach always seemed to be someone who, you know, paid attention to everything in his life, but also was willing to seek out more knowledge about so many different subjects of life, whether it would be history or the way just the world works, or even just the most, in some people's minds, arbitrary of things. And that was something that was super unique about Mike Leach, the person. Now, the other thing that I'll remember about Mike Leach is um, the journey that he had to becoming a major Power 5 head coach because to say that his journey was unorthodox would be an understatement. Mike Leach did not play college football, unlike most football coaches. Now, I'm sure he played, of course, high school football, but he did not play football at the collegiate level in any way, shape, or form. He played rugby when he was at Brigham Young back in the early 1980s. After his time at Brigham Young, he then went on to Pepperdine and earned a law degree and turned around after that and went to Finland to coach football over there, all the way in Finland over in Europe. Then he came back to the States, I believe, after a couple years over there, coached at a bunch of small schools here like Iowa Wesleyan, I believe Valdosta State, and a couple other stops mixed in there as well before he got to Kentucky in the late 90s under head coach Hal Mummy, where he learned about the air raid offense. Then he was at Oklahoma, I believe, in 1999 under future College Football Hall of Fame coach Bob Stoops. Then he went to, of course, Texas Tech, Washington State, and Mississippi State, and the rest is history. One of the most unorthodox paths to becoming a major college football head coach that we have ever seen, and probably something we will never see ever again, quite honestly, at least playing out in that kind of way. And then the last thing that I'm going to remember about Mike Leach is the reverberating impact that he had on the entire sport. Obviously, when you talk about Mike Leach, there's going to be a couple things that people are always going to talk about. The air raid. Look at how much the air raid is now involved in offensive schemes everywhere across college football now. You see it at the Division II level. You see it at the FCS level. You see it at the FBS level. You see it at the high school level. And now you're seeing it even in the NFL with Cliff Kingsbury coaching the Arizona Cardinals. This was a guy that took an offense, which probably back then was viewed to be taboo by most hardcore football minds. And he turned around and took that offense and he dominated a bunch of teams with it. And not only did he dominate, he dominated with programs that did not have the greatest of, you know, history in Texas Tech, Washington State and Mississippi State. They're not those are not teams you think about when you talk about maybe national contending teams. And yet he didn't care about that. He went there with that kind of offense and he won and he won big at all three spots. And then you look at the impact he's had on a bunch of players and coaches who have been under him throughout his entire coaching career. These are the names of some coaches who would go on to become major college football coaches later in their career. Dave Aranda, who's currently at Baylor. Art Bryles, who obviously had a ton of success at Baylor. Sonny Dykes, about to take TCU to the college football playoff. Dana Holgerson, great success at West Virginia. Now he's carried that over to Houston. Lincoln Riley, been to the college football playoffs several times, developed multiple Heisman Trophy winners. And now Ken Wilson over at Nevada. And then you look at some of his former players who have gone on to become head coaches. Neil Brown, who's right now at West Virginia. Sonny Cumbie, who's at Louisiana Tech. Josh Heupel, who's at Tennessee. Cliff Kingsbury, who's in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals. His impact is extremely widespread, more widespread than a bunch of the quote-unquote top head coaches in college football today. 
because he changed the game. He changed the game in terms of how it's played. He changed the game in terms of how the air raid is viewed. And his impact, the lessons that he has given to so many players and coaches from the past, you see that now every Saturday in college football. You just don't see that with very many coaches. You don't. Even the greatest, like Nick Saban. You don't see a whole lot of assistants that just leave that coaching tree and go on to become incredibly successful. Mike Leach, he's created something that is going to change this sport for forever. And he changed the sport even without everything he did on the field, just by the way he interacted with people and how he treated people. So yes, to say the least, Mike Leach is going to be dearly missed. Not just, of course, by fans, but by analysts, pundits, the entire sport of college football. It will never be the same without the Pirate. So, that's going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. Hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. Let me know what your thoughts are on Dow Loggins' contract, Pete Lembo's extension, and Ray's as well. What are your thoughts on Olawatchis and Babalade and Isaiah Yada decommitting? And um, what are your favorite memories about Mike Leach? Let me know all of that down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube, or you can shoot me a message at a line underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll try to respond to it as quickly as I see it. And don't forget to make Locked On Sports today your second listen or watch, now that you have listened or watched the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Thank you all once again for tuning into today's show. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. I will catch you on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. And in honor of Mike Leach, always remember, swing your sword.